could shine between the lines if you would let yourself go find some place you know you can use your words use your hands you can change the world just pretend express yourself take a chance and you'll see who you'll be it's time to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Challenges are our greatest teachers. Out of every challenge, you emerge a stronger, wiser, and more well-equipped human being. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice, right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Hannah Hundle, and today the theme for our show is the gift of challenges. I'm Asia Gonzalez. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity. Each week, we bring you a stimulating, mind-bending, motivating program based on a chapter from our award-winning book, Be The Star You Are for Teens. Simple gifts for living, loving, laughing, learning, and leading. With regard to this week's theme, The Gift of Challenges, we are going to examine how you can embrace your struggles and see them as an opportunity for growth. We have a power-packed show for you today because I believe that this is a topic that pertains to everyone. Every day, we all face our unique set of challenges. And the key for everyone that I believe is to make sure that the challenges don't get in the way of your dreams. You may have an idea, you may have a goal, you may have a mission, and you'll always face the bumps in the road. But never let the bumps in the road be the end of your journey. Now, one bump in the road that I usually like to refer to whenever I talk about challenges is starting my sort of career in journalism. I remember being in eighth grade, and I loved to write. I've always loved to write. And I really wanted to get involved in writing for different newspapers, magazines, publications. Uh, But as you can imagine, it was incredibly difficult to convince any editor to allow an eighth grader to write for their paper. And I remember submitting proposals and article ideas and queries to numerous different publications. And I like to say that if I submitted queries to maybe 20 publications, five people would reply back to me. And out of that five, four replies would be no, and one reply would be maybe. And so I, I think I definitely faced a lot of challenges in kind of getting this off the ground and getting, getting my idea, ideas out there and getting my work printed But I think now, looking back, I've been published in so many different publications. I'm so blessed. And I think I can all relate it back to just not letting those bumps in the road, the naysayers, uh, the difficulties that I encountered along the way be the end of my journey. And I'm I'm sure, Asia, with all your entrepreneurial endeavors, you've probably learned similar lessons. There are very hard lessons to learn when you're a business owner and you travel the country speaking to teens. Um, We've had some issues with uh, investors. Uh, we've asked a couple investors. We've talked to a few people, and a lot of them were, no, you're not big enough. You're too small right now. Um, and, you know, our answer was always, we're small because there's room to improve. We we don't want to be such a big company to where we can't uh, control everything that's going on. There's a, And that's one of the reasons why we haven't, 
put anything, um, put any products out uh, into stores because we know that once you put your product into a store, they're going to want some of that profit and they're going to want a little bit of control over the designing. They're going to want control over, you know, any part of the company that, that they ask for. And that's the reason why we didn't put our stuff into um, local stores or like Target or anything um, because we were thinking, you know, we want to have full control over every aspect of the company. So we stayed online. And another challenge we also faced was the website. Uh, we hired some people to uh, make the website for us because we had no idea how to do any of that because we were just starting up. And, you know, my mom and I looked at each other, we're like, I have no idea how to make a website. Like, we both said that. And <laughs> we were just thinking, how the heck are we going to do that? Because we only have facebook and twitter and stuff to really put the company out there so we want a website that people can go to buy the shirts from instead of just ordering on the social media website so we went to a few people asking hey can can you make a website for us you know this is how we want it to look this is how small we want it to be we don't want it to be so vast that people can't you know navigate through it right so we hired someone to build the website for us and they totally uh, messed with us they they did half of the website um they made it look really bad and then they took our money and left mm. and we were sitting there like what are we going to do like how are we going to improve the website and do we even want to hire somebody again because of what just happened right now right. so my mom studied and she figured out how to build websites herself and she went in, she fixed it all up, she built the website even better, and we accomplished that little that little problem. Um, and aside from the business, you know, trying to to juggle that, along with going to college, yeah. that's a huge one that's coming up right now with all the scholarship essays that have needed to be written, um, all the admissions and the applications and knowing where you're going to go, you know, this is like crunch time right now. Um, yeah. Figuring out how you're going to get everything figured out, you know, if you have a job, how, what are your hours going to be while you're studying in school? You know, that's a huge, that's one of the statistics that I found out is that uh, the biggest reason why students drop out of college is because they're juggling their study time along with the hours that they've been working because they're also worried about their tuition finances and they're trying to juggle that along with school and all the homework that they have. So wow. that's a huge challenge right there is, you know, figuring out how I'm going to uh, juggle the business, uh, traveling to different parts of the country to talk to teens. And that takes up about two to three days out of the week because you fly you take that day, um, the day before, and just hang out with everybody in the IY group, you know, yeah. reconnect, uh, explore the city that you're in. You know, we've been in St. Louis so many times, we love it, and we still want to go explore and find something new. Uh, and then the last day is the symposium, where we talk to all the kids, and then afterwards we fly back home. So that's about a three-day trip right there. Yeah. And then you got your job to worry about, which is what are your hours going to be while you're in school because you can't, you know, work and have it intervene with your studying hours, you know? Right, right. And it, isn't it funny how sometimes the challenges choose us. We don't choose them. Exactly, exactly. It's so scary, too, because sometimes they 
all, actually all the time. They come up unexpectedly and you don't know what to do and you're freaking out for that split second. And then, you know, you got to realize like, hey, this is this is a challenge and it's going to grow me. And I just, you know, once I get past this, I'll, I'll be a stronger person and I'll have more knowledge what to do next time, you know? Right, definitely. I mean, when you can't choose the challenge, the most you can do is just embrace it. Mm-hmm. Turn that challenge yeah. into yeah. an opportunity to grow and be better. And, you know, I, what I really hope is that a lot of people don't, don't make the challenges, uh, turn them away from taking risks. Because I know that sometimes when you face struggles and you face challenges in your life, that can make you a little bit more apprehensive the next time around to go on that daring road. And you might be more inclined to take the easy path. But I really hope that for everyone, your challenges become your teachers. Your challenges give you lifelong lessons that kind of inspire you to take on more struggles and tackle more of these challenges. Because the more that you tackle, the more that you ultimately learn. And Mm -hmm. I love that you brought up the fact that Going to college is going to be sort of a challenge in and of itself because yeah. it's a social challenge, I think, not just academically, because now you're kind of in this new environment where you're trying to find your feet beneath yourself. You're learning how to make new friends. Like a lot of the friends that I have now, I've known since kindergarten. And mm-hmm. the idea that I'm going to be in a totally new environment, meet totally different types of people, and I'll be on the other edge of the nation. Right now, I'm on the West Coast. I'll be on the East Coast. And so kind of getting used to the culture there and acclimating myself to that, too. I mean, that'll be a challenge in and of itself. I think there's kind of challenges within challenges. It never really stops. Exactly. There's, there's the big challenges, and there's the small challenges that kind of add up to the big challenge, you know, especially, I think, with... Every, almost everybody that could be listening to this is the the ending year in high school and, you know, maybe you're going on to high school again and then you're going on to college. And it's just something to really think about is having courage, courage to know that you're going to get through it, knowing that you'll have the knowledge um, to really break through this uh, this challenge that you're going through. And it's, it's nothing to be scared about. In fact, it's something to be excited about. So, all of you guys that are listening, you know, I encourage you to have faith and have courage and just um, know that you're going to you're gonna be fine. Right, right. You know, actually, that's interesting because almost everyone I've talked to about me kind of beginning a new chapter in my life, all the adults, the one thing that I think everyone has said to me in some form or another is that idea that it's all going to be okay. It really is mm-hmm. going to be okay. It's going to work yes. out for good. Um, and I think when you're young, you don't really understand that. You don't know it. But I think you come to realize it later on. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for this great discussion, Henna. It is so true that we choose how we face our challenges. With the right attitude, you can turn your challenges around into opportunities. During the break, please visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com to see photos, descriptions, links, and more. I'm Asia Gonzalez. And I'm Hannah Hundle. Also, please check out our charity site at btsya.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com forward slash be the star you are. Stay right here with us as we continue our conversation. Bookworm is a show for the reader and those that should probably be reading a little more. We'll tackle the classics, the bestsellers, and the brand new works that you won't be able to put down. Your host will be combing the pages of them all and letting you know what needs to be in your personal library and what might be better reading for the bathroom. Tune into Bookworm, airing Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. We promise that listening will be just like delving into a good book. 
Keep it right here. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. You are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by Be The Star You Are charity. I'm Hannah Hundle, and today our show is all about the gift of challenges. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Now, one topic that most people might consider challenging to understand is artificial intelligence. Lucky for us, we get to welcome an amazing guest to the show today who's going to give us the inside scoop on this fascinating topic. In fact, he's the number one world expert on artificial superintelligence, Dr. Steve Omohundro. Dr. Omohundro has been a scientist, professor, author, software architect, and entrepreneur doing research that explores the interface between mind and matter. He published the book Geometric, Geometric Perturbation Theory in Physics designed the programming languages Starlisp and Sather, wrote the 3D graphics system for Mathematica, and built systems which learn to read lips, control robots, and induce grammars. And that all doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of everything that Dr. Steve Omohundro has done and created. Asia and I are beyond honored and thrilled to welcome this very, very incredible guest to the show today. Hi, Steve. Thank you for joining us. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Well, thank you. You are a world-renowned expert, and we are honored to be speaking with you. And first things first, what is artificial intelligence? Well, artificial intelligence is a computer program that solves problems by thinking about them very much like a person might. Hmm. Hmm. So with the whole artificial artificial intelligence move that's uh, been going on, uh, you know, we have our smartphones, we have j- robots that have been producing products for us, and this whole movement that has been going around with self-driving cars, you know, that's starting to become a thing now, and there are so many companies that are getting closer and closer to the fact that humans won't have to drive their car anymore, that, you know, there's self-braking, there's self, uh, you know, there's the backwards camera, and there's just so many things that have been going on with it. So what are the self-driving cars that are starting to come into play? Well, around here, I'm in Silicon Valley near Palo Alto. Um, mm-hmm. Google has been trying out self-driving cars for a long time. Apparently, they've driven a million miles already. I've seen just, that. And it just came out yesterday that they've only had 11 accidents, and none of the accidents were due to the car. It was always a human driver crashing into the to the automated car. So, so far, they've been really, really uh, accurate and okay on the roads. Um, it looks like, I thought it would be a long, long time before that technology ended up actually, you know, being important. But uh, a lot of people in the, analyzing now are saying in the next 10 years, there may be a huge switchover to that. And not mm-hmm. just Google, every car maker is making cars that uh, will drive themselves. Wow. Wow. Very interesting. And being such an expert on the topic, what do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions about artificial intelligence? Because I think that a lot of people kind of think it, think of it as something out there, like they feel like they're removed from it. But in fact, a lot of us use artificial intelligence on a day-to-day basis, like Siri on our iPhones. So yeah, what do you exactly. Think are the misconceptions about it that really need to be eradicated? Well, today's artificial intelligence is sort of just the bare beginning. Like Siri is a great example where 
you know, she's really helpful. She can <laughs> mostly understand what you say, but she's not really very smart. And so it's mm-hmm. pretty easy to trick her. You know, if you look on, uh, if you do a Google search on Siri, you can find all kinds of places where she makes mistakes. Um, but she's very useful. And so that's sort of the place we're at today. If you look at movies, um, movies about artificial intelligence, they often, you know, they're often the Terminator or robots. And yeah. those are like way beyond where we are today. And the reality is sort of somewhere in between. But we're, we're very rapidly, um, these systems are becoming better and better. And so, like, more and more factories are starting to use robots. Um, the self-driving cars are, you know, that was something that 10 years ago, only certain research labs and universities could do it. And now there's all kinds of, you know, all the different car companies have these cars uh, running on the roads today. Mm-hmm. And when you were talking about how the automated car from Google only had 11 crashes in the total miles that it had been driving, what happened when the human driver crashes into the automated car? Did the car like miss the accident? You know, what happened? You know, it just came out yesterday. It's, I haven't really delved into it. it they claim that yeah. all of the accidents were very minor. It's like, oh, okay. I'm guessing, you know, a human driver sees this weird car. The cars look a little bit strange. They have this spinning thing on their roof. So, you know, they have lasers that they kind of use to sense what's in their environment. Oh. And probably the human drivers get a little freaked out and then maybe hit the accelerator instead of the brake or something like that. <laughs> probably. I think I'd be a little confused on what was going on if I saw it around the, the road. <laughs> that's really interesting though yeah that is so very cool I know and you know it, just thinking about artificial intelligence is so cool because it brings up a lot of what ifs you know yeah. possibilities and the future just seems so tantalizing when you think of all the amazing things that could be created there's such that sense of what if and I know that one of the big what ifs that kind of hangs over people's head when they talk about artificial intelligence is the idea that robots might one day take over all the jobs you know uh, you know back in our history where first we had horsepower as a means of transportation and then the automobile was invented and that kind of surpassed horsepower as the primary form of transportation and now with robots and these automated cars maybe that'll surpass the traditional automobile and so this idea that we're going to kind of keep advancing and everything will kind of take over what was originally used and done with Do you think, Doctor, that that's a possibility with artificial intelligence, that robots might kind of take over everything as we know it and take over all our jobs and that sort of thing? Well, there are a bunch of people analyzing that right now. It's a really hot topic. And the Gartner Group is a respected analysis company. They predict that 30% of all jobs, basically one-third of all jobs, will be automated in the next 10 years. And so that's huge, huge change in society. And there are two ways to look at it. One is to say, oh, my God, all the jobs are going away. What are we going to do? How's it going to work? The other is to say, you know, any job that a robot can do is probably a job you don't want to be doing. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. let the robots do those jobs. We'll do more interesting things. Yeah, I I like that. You know, there's some things that are the social stuff, you know, um, being, you know, a therapist or just or a psychiatrist, just something that deals with humans, you know, I don't think robots would be able to get into that sort of um, kind of field. So I think that with that kind of thing, it kind of comes into play where the humans would do more of the social jobs that deal, you know, with with talking to each other and being social. Yeah, things where you actually want to be connecting with a person. Mm-hmm. And and uh, also things with more creativity. You know, a lot of people are getting into music. I just met with a venture capitalist this morning who was telling me that um, video game 
uh, contests, like in arenas, are becoming a really big thing. And that uh-huh. they're starting to do, like there's fantasy football for like normal sports. They're starting to do video game fantasy uh, sports. And so it's like, oh, wow. So all kinds of weird new things are probably going to pop up as we yeah. move into this. Yeah, and usually those jobs that, you know, you were saying, you know, if a robot is doing that job, then maybe a human want to, wouldn't want to do that job. You know, there are so many um, things that, you know, there are jobs that people don't want to do, but you kind of have to because who else is going to do it? So exactly. if there's a robot, there's a robot exactly. doing it, then people can be like, okay, well, now I can focus on something else. You know, we can build something else for our society instead of having people having to do that field. Yeah, a good example is there's a company called Foxconn, which is mm-hmm. a Taiwanese company, and they make the iPhone and the iPad and almost yeah. all consumer electronics. Mm-hmm. And they had employees jumping out of windows because they were so frustrated with having to do this very repetitive work. Mm-hmm. And so they announced yeah. a few years ago they're building a million robots, and they're going to start using robots to put together all that electronics. Yeah, it's exactly like the automobile industry where there's automated machines building the 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 engine, the transmission, the body, and you know, humans and people. I mean, people aren't really a necessity for that kind of field anymore. It's like the assembly line where it turned into humans, you know, assembling things and being repetitive. And now it's just automated machines doing all of that for us. Exactly. The assembly line isn't that old. You know, it was the industrial mm-hmm. revolution, and it's uh-huh. a really terrible job to sit there over and over and over again doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> Let the robots do it. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. There's this need for creativity that will always be there, and it has always been there, that need, and robots can't usurp that. Um, but do you think we could ever reach a point, Doctor, where, where robots just kind of overpower humans, like the robots get let loose and we're not really sure how to stop them? Or is that something just directly taken out of a science fiction film? Well, a lot of the science fiction films have explored that, you know, the Terminator and all those. Um, But the reason they're exploring it is because it's something that I think intuitively we recognize, ooh, this could be a real danger. Mm. And one of the things that's happening right now is militaries all over the the planet are starting to make robot soldiers and using, you know, drones uh, with no human pilot in them. And in some ways that's good, just sort of like we don't want humans to have to do the the drudgery of of, uh, assembly line work. We also don't want humans on the battlefield getting killed and so if future war is our, our robots fight their robots that's probably a good thing we better make sure that those robots don't you know get out of control or do the wrong thing and so one of the things i've been sort of doing a lot of thinking about is how do we make sure that these systems have human values and that they behave in ways that are actually beneficial for people and not harmful right where do you think that the policies should be created that kind of keep this all in check? Who do you think should be involved in creating these maybe governmental policies or should it be kind of a worldwide symposium that helps set the limits here or how should that, how should we go about that? That's a really, really good question. Um, we're just at the bare beginnings of it and people are only dimly aware of like what the issues might even be. Mm-hmm. In Europe right now, there is a movement, this, the same movement that um, sort of acted to try and stop landmines. Landmines are pretty horrible, you know, bombs that you bury under the ground and they can yeah. last for years and years and years. And so there was a very effective um, uh, lobbying to eliminate those that it's a harmful thing it's not uh doesn't really help militaries and so on and so there are groups that are trying to say that killer robots robots that can uh apply lethal force by themselves that those should be banned and i'm not sure that's a good 
choice, but it's great that people are starting to think about it and starting to, to do that. Mm. Longer term, I think we really need to get what is the science of it. Like um, philosophers have been trying to figure out what is moral behavior for a long time. And so even with self-driving cars, uh, people have been talking about the idea like let's say your self-driving car is about to crash into a school bus of kids and kill some young kids or it could go over a cliff and just kill you. Mm. Um, should it kill you to save the kids? And you know what's the moral decision there? And how do you build that in? And who makes those decisions? Who makes those rules? Yeah, there's that split second moral decision. You know, how would that self automated car decide something like that differently from what a human being would decide if there was that sort of situation? That's that's a really tough yeah, concept. Who is right exactly. here? Yeah, there's no right or wrong. It's really all up for interpretation. Well, thank you very, very much, Dr. Omahundra, for this terrific conversation. It's so intriguing, and you're so passionate about what you do, and it shines through all your work. Oh, thank thank you, you for that. And during the break, everyone, be sure to check out Dr. Omahundra's site at steveomahundra.com and the think tank selfawaresystems.com. I'm Hannah Hundel. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Also remember to visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com. We'll be back in the next segment as we continue our conversation with Dr. Omohundro. What about the world concerns you? Is it future success? Is it world issues? Are you just looking to change the world in general? Tune in to What Up World? It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, or what you look like. Everyone is entitled to the same chance for success. Follow your dreams. Move forward. Make a difference. Tune in to What Up World every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Real kids, real talk radio. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. I'm Hannah Hundel, and today's hot topic is the gift of challenges. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. We are having a blast today discussing, discussing artificial intelligence with the world's number one expert on the topic, Dr. Steve Amahundro. Dr. Amahundro has worked as a professor, scientist, author, software architect, and an entrepreneur doing research that explores the interface between mind and matter. He is president of both Possibility Research and Self-Aware Systems, a think tank working to ensure that intelligent technologies have a positive impact. His work on positive intelligent technologies was featured in James Barrett's book, Our Final Invention, and has generated international interests. He serves on the advisory boards of Cryptocurrency Research Group, the Institute for Blockchain Studies, and Pebble Cryptocurrency. As you can imagine, we are overjoyed to be talking with such a passionate and accomplished guest. Hi again, Dr. Mahundro. Thank you for being with us. Now, with all the work that you've done with artificial intelligence, and you've been in this field for quite a while, 
What would you say is your biggest fear? Well, I think that, that things are happening really fast right now. Um, the whole field of artificial intelligence was invented, well, the term artificial intelligence was invented around 1959, and people didn't really realize how hard it would be back then. They thought, oh, maybe 10 years, 5 or 10 years, they'll be able to build computer systems that are as smart as people. And it took way, way longer than that. And so kind of in the field, people felt like, oh, too much was promised, and oh, it's never going to happen, and oh, it's going to be hundreds of years away. But what's been happening just in the last, oh, two years or so, all the big companies, Google, Apple, IBM, Microsoft, have invested billions of dollars in this area. And some companies estimate that in the next 10 years, there'll be about $50 trillion of value possible from these technologies. And so suddenly, all these uh, industries and investors and finance people are getting interested in it. And it looks like things are going to move ahead very, very rapidly. So my big concern is that as things go very quickly, I hope we keep... Uh, sight on where we're going and we incorporate human values and we create a future that we're really happy to live in. Yeah, I think that's that's one thing to be most uh, concerned about is it is it going to be a positive impact on us because there are so many, you know, we've had so many influence with the movies uh, showing us, you know, the bad part of it and I think that's um, instilled a sort of fear in society about what's going to happen with artificial intelligence and, you know, there are some negative impacts that can happen, but the question is, you know, what great things can we do with, a, uh, with AI, artificial intelligence, and robots? What are the positive outcomes that could happen? Well, people are working on an amazing range of things, um, like healthcare is one example. There are now um, surgery robots that can do brain oh. surgery way more accurately than a person can. Or a talk I just saw with somebody has a robot that does hair transplants. And apparently to do hair transplants, you have to take little plugs of hair and move them from one place on somebody's head to another. And it takes hours, and it's very tedious. It's sort of like an assembly line. And robots are great at that. They just you know happily go on for hours and hours. And so this yeah. robot was making it better. <laughs> Uh, cleaning up pollution. There's a group that's making robots to go into the ocean. You know, there's huge um, swaths of trash, of junk floating in the middle of the oh, ocean. Oh, yeah, I know. It's terrible. And robots can clean that up. And so, you know, all kinds of you know, innovative uses like that, that pretty much any problem you can think about, there's a way to use robots and artificial intelligence to sort of make it better. Wow, wow. And on the topic of using artificial intelligence for the benefit of humanity... I know that you are president of Self-Aware Systems. Um, could you talk a little bit about the work that you do there to make sure that robots are being used for good? Yeah. I, so I've been doing research in artificial intelligence for, I, I won't say how long, a number of decades. <laughs> and, uh, I used to think, you know, I got into it because my mom used to say, you know, she'd be washing the dishes and she'd say, gosh, if we only had a robot that could wash the mm. dishes. And I thought, oh, I can do that. I could build that. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so I always thought when I was younger that, oh, yes, if you were able to make smarter technology, that that would just be a net good for humanity. Mm. Um, but then as I began to get more and more into the field and, and build things, I began to realize that you can use it for good, certainly, but you could also use it for bad. And that um, the choices that we make and how we build these systems, and in particular what goals we give them, will 
totally affect whether these lead to a utopia, a wonderful future that everybody loves to live in, or a dystopia, which is a yeah. place that nobody wants to live in. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's the part about it, you know. Um, I read uh, on an article on how there are so many um, people that are against this because, you know, we can use it for the good part, uh, the part that benefits our society and, and the well-being of humanity. But there is also the negative side where we can use it for harmful advances in society as well in other nations, in our nation, you know. There can be so many problems with that where um, there are nations who could develop a super artificial intelligence that completely surpasses humanity's intelligence and it could be used against um, other human beings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a worry. You know, I, I yeah. think the most important thing is just education, you know, how we're talking about it right now for the public because it's sort of the same deal with genetically modified agriculture. You know, I, I've done some research with that, you know, it, during the summer internship, and I really got to see how many public misconceptions there are about genetically modified agriculture because a lot of people don't even know that a lot of the food that we do consume is genetically modified. And so I think mm -hmm. education and talking about it is so important. And, Doctor, have you ever, you know maybe gone to schools and tried talking with kids interested in this field about it? Or do you do anything sort of public to kind of get the word out about artificial intelligence and its benefits? Yeah, I've been giving a lot of talks lately. Um, I gave a TEDx talk, the, the Ooh, TED Talks on, on YouTube. <laughs> TEDx are external TEDs. The one oh. I did was in Estonia, uh, in what used to be oh, the Soviet oh. Union, and, and so that was fun. And I've been speaking to, uh, and some younger people come to my talks and have, they're often very, very sharp and aware of what the issues are, and I've had some great, great discussions. Um, it's an interesting thing, because we're at this moment where it's before the really big stuff has happened yet. You know, we're just, like you were saying, Siri, it's just, and the self-driving cars are just the bare beginnings. And so it's a moment of tremendous leverage. Like, at this, at this point, one person can have a huge impact on the way that the future unfolds just by thinking carefully about how we want things to be. Yeah, and I think... Yeah. I think some of the younger people I've talked to are aware of that and are fascinated and really want to learn more about the field and see how they can make a difference. It's really an interesting topic of, of artificial intelligence. It's something that is such a huge step on how humanity has advanced. You know, I think it's so fascinating how we as humans have generated that kind of knowledge to really invent something so out of the ordinary and so advanced. And I think that just shows how how wonderfully uh, capable we are of doing such amazing things. And it's a question of how would our minds work and what would we learn about ourselves once we come out with that kind of technology of artificial intelligence? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question that... Um, you know, we still, we understand certain things about how our own minds work, but mm -hmm. we're learning, you know, learning enormous amounts about the, the way neurons are hooked together, the way the biology works, the way our psychology works. Um, I think artificial intelligence is going to be a kind of a wonderful mirror where we can sort of learn more about ourselves and about the things we really care about by looking at these sort of alien creatures that we're in the midst of creating and seeing, you know, which aspects of them really reflect humanity and which ones are something different. Exactly, because I think um, what you mentioned, you know, how it will be a mirror reflection of what our minds could be when 
it's so crazy how we only use about 10%. You know, we haven't really reached the full capacity of our brain usage. And it's, and it's wonderful to think about how, you know, AI, artificial intelligence, could be used to really help us discover what else our, our minds can do and what our brain is capable of because there's so much more that we haven't discovered about it yet. Yeah, totally. And also, we can use these systems and these tools in conjunction with our own thinking. Like today, most people have a cell phone. And mm-hmm. when topics come up in conversation that somebody doesn't know the answer to, up, out comes a cell phone, somebody looks it up on Google. So in some ways, the cell phone with Google has become kind of like a second brain for us. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> that's so true. And, you know, with everything that's going on right now, and with all your expertise on the topic... Where do you envision artificial intelligence taking us 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Is it moving? Is our knowledge about the field moving at such a rapid pace? I think it is. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty about exactly when things are going to happen. But it looks like certainly in the next 10 years, there's going to be a really radical transformation in a lot of business. And so a lot of manufacturing companies are going to start using robots. You know, there's a a Chinese company that's 3D printing houses. And so you can expect, you know, architecture is going to get much cheaper, a lot of medical applications, a lot of information processing like lawyers and uh, political processes. So I think we're going to see it kind of coming in at that level throughout society over the next 10 years, we'll probably start to see the military uses um, ramp up in that same time period. And then probably another 10 years, maybe 20 years, the systems will be getting, you know, gradually smarter and smarter. And at some point, they will become almost as smart as us. And that's the point at which we have to have clearly thought about, you know, what is the role of of these entities? Are they citizens? Do they get to vote? You know, those kinds Mm -hmm. of questions. That's a really interesting, you know, concept right there. Like, do they have the same rights as human beings once they reach that kind of intelligence? Yeah. That's so true. And speaking of revolutionizing business, how is Bitcoin, I mean, um, artificial intelligence, accelerating the evolution of Bitcoin? Well, Bitcoin is a really interesting thing because that's an attempt to rethink what money is. And um, Bitcoin is this strange digital currency that was invented by somebody that nobody knows who they are. They use the name Satoshi Nakamoto, um, and uh, it was in uh, uh, 2008. And it's it's, um, kind of an interesting experiment right now, but people are looking at it as it might be sort of a template for what the future economy looks like. And those technologies, the reason I think they're interesting and potentially kind of can partner with AI is those technologies enable people who don't know one another and don't trust one another to transfer money and eventually to have contracts and agreements with one another and to sort of reshape the nature of economic transactions. Wow. Wow, that is incredible. Well, thank you very, very much, Dr. Omohundra, for this amazing conversation and for sharing all of your insight And keep up the great work, and we will keep rooting for you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And during the break, everyone be sure to check out the website at stevealmohundro.com and the think tank selfawaresystems.com. I'm Henna Hundle. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Also be sure to check out our charity site at btsya.org, which stands for the Be The Star You Are 501c3 Literacy and Positive Media Charity. Stay right here with us for our next segment as we continue our conversation. What's cooking? Join Kid Chef Eliana for Cool Kids Cook. 
Eliana is one of the youngest published cookbook authors and will show you that there are all kinds of goodness in food beyond the chicken nuggets and fries. On our show, we'll discover cuisine from around the world, learn some great cooking techniques, speak with some of the world's top chefs, and share recipes. Kid Chef Eliana is here for you on Cool Kids Cook every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. Bon appetit! You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Hannah Hundle, and our program is Express Yourself. Today, the theme for our show is the gift of challenges. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. We've been having an awesome conversation on this powerful topic. And to get more insight, we're turning to a member of our Express Yourself team, Zara Hassanein. Zara is a ninth grader who loves studying English, playing the piano, and learning the violin. In addition, Zara participates in her school's public speaking and mock trial programs and is an active volunteer. Zara believes hope is the one thing that drives all humans, so she is here with another installment of her Hope Heals segment. Take it away, Zara. Hey, it's great to be here. Um, yeah, so I guess we're talking about challenges today. And, you know, I mean, challenges play like a huge part in my life because I just think life is really bland without challenges. So, yeah, that's, I don't know, only introduction I, I have. I think the challenges in our life are something that kind of defines who we are because without challenges, I think we would just all be the same going through the same motion every day, but you know, everybody has their different challenges. So I think that that really defines our personalities and who we really are. Yeah. You know, people like having the same routine every day and that might be comforting, but like, I don't really think like, the point of life is just to live. You have to really challenge yourself and your potential. And like, you can never really realize like your full potential. But like, I think life is all about trying to expose like as much potential as you can. And like, the more you do that, the happier life you'll have, I think. That's very true. Zara, can you think of a challenge that you've encountered that really taught you a great lesson? Yeah, well, I remember when I started music, um well actually I'd been playing piano for a while but when I started violin I was like making all these like terrible scratchy sounds and like oh it was just like, <laughs> I didn't want myself nobody wanted to hear me like it was pretty terrible but then like and I didn't like ever want to practice either I was just like I don't want to do this this is like you know if I'm gonna sound this bad for the rest of my life why even like try but mm-hmm. then I challenged myself to kind of, you know, change my view on violin as not just like another instrument that like I was being forced to play at first. And I was like, well, maybe I'll actually like this if I like give it a try. So when I practiced, I practiced and I actually like, you know, had a good time. And then now it's like I'm like playing and I can actually like do stuff that doesn't sound that bad. And it's exciting because like I needed that like kind of forcefulness at first but then I had to really like challenge myself to like 
learn to accept like that, you know, I can like something that I didn't like at first and like now it's a huge part of my life. So, you know, that's like the biggest challenge I can think of. Uh, that's a good one. I And I think, you know, that was important for you to challenge yourself because then you grew in your talent of being able to do that. And I think it, it was important for you to really grow in that kind of part. So now comes the question, why is it important to challenge yourself? Well, I mean, like I was saying before, like life is pretty bland if you don't challenge yourself. And I think like people are always afraid to even attempt to change. But like what they have to realize is that like long term, it's scarier just to sit around and do nothing and have that same routine and not challenge yourself. And if you grow grow, like too accustomed to every aspect of your life, then I mean, like you said, there's really no room for growth. And if you don't grow as a person, then nobody like including yourself is ever going to think of you as someone special and you can never really like, you know, show the world, you know, the kind of star you are. Um, and like, I don't know, I guess people just think like it's too much effort and no reward. But like the fact is that like that, like the act of challenging yourself is the reward. And if you have hope, then, you know, you'll have wings and like sometimes you might crash, but like you'll be able to accomplish more than anyone could ever imagine, more than you could even imagine yourself. And, like, even just gaining that, like, positive and confident attitude towards life is just, like, one of the biggest gifts in itself, I think. Oh, yeah, that's so true. And what do you think is the connection between hope and challenges? Because earlier in the program, Asia and I were talking about how you can begin to view your challenges as opportunities and that opportunities kind of makes the future seem so bright and wide open for you. So do you think that is the connection between hope and challenges? Yeah. It's like, you know, when you challenge yourself, you are kind of hopeful that you'll like open a new door for yourself, open yeah. like lots of new doors for yourself. And I think like at times it's just like, why am I challenging myself when I can just do like easier stuff and like get away with it? But, like, the fact is that, like, you don't really feel anything, like, not any, like, you don't feel any hope when you do that. Like, I mean, it's just, like, you feel hope, like, when you want to accomplish a goal. And like, to accomplish that goal, you have to challenge yourself. So. That's very, very true. And, and you know, I think also another thing is that we have to realize that our potential is so much bigger then we might even know that we have so much within ourselves that we often don't give ourselves credit for. I think one really important life lesson that I think I'm slowly beginning to learn is that I really ought to trust myself more often. You know, I got to have more faith in myself that I can tackle any challenge I'm confronted with. Because I think when you kind of allow yourself to just open up and use all the gifts and talents and skills that you possess, I think you really do surprise yourself at how strong you are, how wise you are, and how much strength you really have to tackle any challenge you're faced. Yeah, I agree. Like, you know, like most people just think there's a certain limitation to what they can do, but there really isn't like humans, like like, as a race, just like keep improving and you individually just like, you'll never stop learning. You'll never stop like growing if you challenge yourself. Right, right. And I know that you have a favorite book actually called Babbitt. Sinclair Lewis and that has taught you a lot about hope and taking on struggles has it yeah it's actually um it's kind of I don't know it's like a funny book it's like a satire 
And it's like this guy, like, who's just like painfully mediocre and like this at first kind of close minded American businessman in the twenties who's like settled down with a wife and kids and like in the supposedly perfect Midwestern town. Um, and it's just like a satire of like American middle-class conformity. And it deals with the fact that like the main character, like can't get over the fact that he isn't and that he'll never really be great. And so, like, he doesn't challenge himself. And instead, he finds, like, happiness and greatness and, like, material stuff and social conformity because, like, he doesn't ever want to challenge his beliefs or lifestyles, um, like, which kind of causes him. And I think, like, a lot of people in society have this attitude that, like, they've attained, like, the American dream and you don't really have to do anything after that. And But then, like, the fact is that, like, in the book and stuff, like, his life is really boring and, like, he has all these, like, funny, like, catchphrases, like, the only thing I care about is, like, American baseball and poker, but, like, you know, <laughs> he, like, doesn't really get the whole, like, um, like, bigger picture, like, mm-hmm. um, like, I think that's the problem with, like, a lot of people today, too, is that, like, they aren't willing to challenge their beliefs, so, like, stuff, um, like social change is deferred for so long for generations until like it's almost too late and like if people think it's you know okay to be like an obnoxious bigot then like they're gonna go ahead and keep doing that until like someone challenges those so-called laws of nature and like Mm -hmm. when people don't challenge themselves then it just kind of leads to a hopeless society but like all it takes is one person with just like hope to change that whole mindset Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think that that's a problem. Not necessarily. Well, I guess it could be considered a problem in our society to where we feel like we want to be so advanced in, in our society. But at the same time, we don't like we're kind of comfortable where we are. You know, we don't want to change anything because change is scary. But I think, you know, when you when you really come down to terms to it, change is, is important. You know, it grows us because I don't think there's there's a really big fear and not and I it may be just me but there could be some people out there as well who are scared of just being repetitious you know there's no there's no uh, zest or you know mm-hmm. just something you know exciting in your everyday life if you don't change up your day if you don't face new challenges um in your life you know it's it's a scary scary thought to just be doing the same thing every day not having anything interesting happen to your life to where you don't grow into a better person you just kind of stay the same way you are you know that's with that book you know he wants to be great but he wants to conform to everything and he won't challenge himself and that's not how you become great and that's not how you you know grow to be a better person you have to challenge yourself to really um, put in that kind of, you know, aspect in your life of, you know, I want to be great, so I'm going to do something bigger with my life, and I'm going to kind of, you know, just do something that nobody would expect, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, be bigger and be better and change up your life and change up your ideas. I love, Zara, how you mentioned this need to kind of delve into different ideas and look at things from different perspectives. It reminds me of the group polarization effect, which is something we just talked about in my AP psychology class. The idea that if we keep talking to people who are similar to us, we have a tendency to solidify our beliefs. And rather than that, we need to be watching different news programs and reading books that we don't agree with and 
gathering yeah. all these various perspectives to really, really change up our minds and shake up our life. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Like, if you look at even just like the, like, you know, bad stuff in history that's happened, it's all just like a bunch of people getting together thinking that they have this like great idea and they form like a cult and like, mm-hmm. like they're not willing to challenge themselves to believe anything but that like stupid idea that like someone put into their heads but yeah well thank you very much Zara for this great conversation you are so right that challenge builds character so don't be afraid to take on any curveballs you're thrown as always all good things must come to an end and this show gave us an in-depth look at how struggles can be our greatest teachers never shy away from a good old challenge Thank you to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and Perry Damone's Kid Star for producing this show where we empower kids. Thank you to our Voice America Kids crew, especially Bruce Solstein. Thank you to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Hannah Hundel. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. And you have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For info on our creative community, go to btsya.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, be ready to tackle challenges, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars to shine. Between the lines, if you would let yourself go, find some place you know. Pops from the Kidstar album of the month.